The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narconon Suncoast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I will be your host for today's episode. And this is episode number 129. Today, we have an interview with a lady named Cindy Fiesel. And she was married to a professional football player named Grant Fiesel. Now, after playing college football at Abilene Christian University, Grant Fiesel was a starting center and long snapper for the Seattle Seahawks from 1987 to 1992 after starting his pro football career with the old Baltimore Colts in 1983. As his wife, Cindy, shares on the pages of her book, After the Cheering Stops, those jarring collisions with powerful nose guards took their toll on Grant in physical, mental, and spiritual ways. That's because Grant drank alcohol to dull the pain that began in his brain, a brain muddled by a history of repetitive trauma and symptomatic concussions. He drank and drank until the alcohol killed him. Grant's death certificate lists end-stage liver disease, a form of cirrhosis of the liver, is the cause of his demise, but his family later learned that he also suffered from a degenerative brain disease known as chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE, which has been the focus of lawsuits from former NFL players and the topic of a Hollywood movie, Concussion, starring Will Smith. In After the Cheering Stops, Cindy describes how Grant's attempts at self-medicating his pain devastated their family, but also left her with a mission to raise awareness about CTE and head trauma injuries in sports, as well as educate athletes and parents about the potential damage of head injuries. Cindy believes that Grant would be cheering her on to share his story as a cautionary tale of what can happen when you play a sport you love, but has inherent risks that wreak physical damage. So without further ado, let's talk to Cindy Fiesel. So Cindy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and being, being willing to share your story and Grant's story. And yeah, so Tell me how his, I know that his situation began a lot with, uh, with football, with his career in football. And, and tell me how it got started with the uh, alcohol abuse and whatever pain meds or whatever drugs he took. Sure. Well, we had been in, in football for, hmm, let's see, I guess it was towards the end of his career. He played about eight years when he started having some really, serious injuries. He'd had some along the way, and they had been an issue for sure, but I'd never noticed uh, him bringing anything in. Now, he probably took things at work, and he also had shots, because that was a thing that they did back in the day, and I'm sure they're still doing it now, but they would give them shots to numb the pain, which would just numb them, and they would continue to injure and re-injure their bodies and not even feel it. So he had, he'd been doing some injections along the way, but I had never seen any pills until he had a staph infection that really caused a lot of serious health problems for him because um, 
anytime he has staff, it's bad. And he he wanted to continue to play. I couldn't figure it out. At that point, he'd played for eight years. It seemed like the career had been uh, enough and we should have come home. But he continued to say, no, I think I can rehab and, and go back and play again. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I just, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why he did, but he really, you know, these guys fall in love with this right. elite profession. <laughs> and uh, you become the... Uh, the king of the king. I mean, you know, really, you're you're a one percenter. There's hardly anyone that makes it to the professional level, and right. so you get in in that position, and it's a head trip, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, like the Navy SEALs or Rangers or whatever, you know, you become the cream of the crop, and and the you get used to the crowds, and it's a it's just a, a mental thing. You love it so much. I think it's hard for these guys to want to quit, and they didn't know even in the eighties that the brain was a problem and that any there were any real side effects other than just you know the health issues as far as the knees and shoulders fingers toes all of those things go mm-hmm. so um he went back rehabbed after the staph infection and i started noticing that he was coming home with these little clear uh, baggies and you know the ones that i'm talking about that maybe the drugstore would give you one pill if your doctor hadn't given you a prescription for it yet or whatever you know a loner pill or something like that you know just a little small bag a pill bag mm-hmm. and and i just happened to stumble on it one day in the in the bathroom and i said to him what, what is this it was like a collection of little white pills and i always say this that you know in the 80s we didn't have the luxury of the internet i have since learned what pillfinder.com is and you better believe i would have been all over that if there'd been such a thing back right. then, you know but but i just took his word for it he said oh you know my back bothers me my my knees are, are bothering me and he said just everything hurts i remember him really starting to say everything hurts and and i said but why are you taking pills what are the pills for is this an antibiotic you know he said no it's a pain re- they're pain relievers so that was my first clue that, you know, he was coming home with, with medicine and he was also coming home with alcohol. And I was, you know, he wasn't a big drinker. He'd have a drink after a game as he was tailgating, waiting for the traffic to go down. If we went to dinner with anybody after the games, he'd maybe have a couple of beers. But there was never, um, it wasn't a daily thing. And it certainly was odd that he was coming in with, you know, a 12-pack mm-hmm. and polishing it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then had these little pills. And I, I thought I remembered that it wasn't a good thing to, to mix alcohol and pills. And I didn't even think it was a good thing to be drinking that much, nor did I think it was a good thing to be taking those pills. But, you know, I was a nag, right? Right. Because I started asking a lot of questions. Um, so those pills started um, just, you know, being harder for me to find. But even then, I was looking for them, and I would find them. So that was just a constant. So I like, I mean, I say that the NFL encouraged him to be hooked on drugs because I feel that when Grant retired in 93 that he was already a drug addict he was already taking Percocet and Vicodin a lot I think pretty much every day so I say out loud yes my husband got addicted to drugs in the NFL it's just it was terrible. I, I, I was hoping that when he retired, it would just go away, right? And there wouldn't be any more problems. But what happened is, you know, when you leave the NFL, you don't get a prescription of Percocet and Vicodin, right? Right. So all he yeah. had was alcohol. And uh, he just began drinking alcohol more and more. And the night he retired, I say this in my book that I wrote, he says, um, I'm, I'm going to go get something to drink and I'll, you know, I'm going to come back to the hotel. We were leaving the next day to come to Dallas with our kids. 
and uh, he bought a bottle of Jack Daniels, and he drank it all. Wow. So I knew then that there was something wrong. And typical to a wife, I think, you know, it's scary. We're not educated in what we're supposed to do when our husband has a, has a problem with addiction. I certainly didn't know. My grandmother was an alcoholic. My parents had shielded me from that most of my life, so I didn't know what, what was the right thing to do. Um, I just did it. Yep. You know, I really didn't tell anybody. I did the classic codependent. And Grant just became more and more um, addicted to alcohol because the pills were not available. Now, right. you know, he'd have a procedure done on his teeth or I would have something done and get a prescription and it was always gone. <laughs> I mean, he always ultimately got the pills. Wow. He would go to our friend that was a doctor in our town and he would complain of a backache and our friend would write him out a prescription for Vicodin. He knew how to get it from everybody he knew. Wow. And who was going to turn him down? Yep. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't like it is now where it's on a controlled script pad or anything like that. I mean, you know, he just went to all of our friends that were doctors and got prescriptions. Wow. Um, it was earth-shattering for me because uh, not only did I see my husband and feel like he was slipping away from me, but we had these three children and I could tell that he just wasn't on top of anything. He started, you know, just, I, I think it's like the sands of the seashore, slowly drifting, right? Right. A slow drift. Wow. You know, you say, it's interesting, you say you, you know, the, your husband became an addict, you know, because of the NFL. It's, it's an interesting, it's interesting that you say that because I had on the podcast a few weeks ago, actually a few months ago now, a former NFL player. And he said that, you know, taking painkillers was almost part of the job description. Because, it was. Yeah, because you don't want to be on the injured bench. You know, you have to play. That's what you do. And so, and he said that, you know, he would get pain. Even the fans would give him painkillers. He said it was, it, oh, yeah. it was so easy to get. And so and, easy. Yeah. And Our I. Dentists would give them to Grant and doctors would give them to Grant. It was easy. Yes. Just, just like you're saying, easy. And I, and I said, I believe at the end of that podcast, you know, I said, you know, to, to any listeners who are parents, you know, you need, you need to know this because if you have a, a son or daughter that wants to get into some of these professional sports, you know, you need to be aware of what can happen as a result yeah. of that. Do you know? Yeah. And I want to even go back and say that I, I think that any person would tell you even if they played in college and we played he played football at a christian college we went to a christian college um you know where we thought oh i thought oh surely they're not giving um, any drugs out there well come to find out even grant felt the same about college i mean he said that it was very easy ready available he was on a scholarship um, he was going to play. I mean, I look back on that now, and I think, yeah, it's great that he got a scholarship and got a free education, but he's dead. Right. What difference did it make? <laughs> uh, so he went to school and started taking drugs then, even in college. And I have no idea what he did in high school. He lives in California. I was in Texas. For all I know, he got him in, in 
in you know out there. Right. But I know I have had some of the trainers that were his trainers in college tell me, um, I feel like that you know I was responsible for Grant getting a hold of some medication in college. Wow. So as Grant says, the herd keeps moving. If you get uh, injured and you're put on an injured list, it doesn't matter. The, the team keeps playing. They replace you. You're just a piece of meat. <laughs> they just, they, and his other saying was they'll flush you down the toilet like a dead goldfish when they get tired of you. And they do because they have people lined up to play that want to. And, um, you know, it's really about the money. It's not about the person. It's really about the money. And it's sad to me now to think that Grant's addiction problems were driven by something that didn't even care about him. Right. Right. And you are right telling parents to beware because I'd rather work four jobs and put my child through college than to put my child through college playing football and getting brain damage and having a chance of turning into an addict. And our two sons also played college ball. So I'm just going to tell you as a parent, I worry every day that my two sons, 34 and 24, will end up with the same issues. Grant was a full-blown alcoholic by 35. Wow. And you have to do something for the pain? Yes. And there's no prescriptions written after you get through playing for these teams, whether it's college level or the pros. You're on your own. You get damaged under their, uh, you know, supervision, but you can't come back and sue them, be mad at them or anything because you're out of luck. You have no right. Right. They use you up and get rid of you. Right. And I don't know how they let Grant know, but this this player that I interviewed, he was um, suiting up after the season and coach came by, put his hand on his shoulder and said, we don't need you next year. That was it. Yeah. Well, Game Grant over. Grant got to go out on his terms because he uh, he realized after 10 years that he just didn't have what he needed to have anymore, and he just got tired of it. I think that, you know, he realized that he couldn't keep up with the game anymore. It had gotten too hard for him. He was taking pills all the time to right. do what he did. Right. And so he re- he got to retire, but I, I promise you, if he'd gone back the next year, they would have told him the same thing, too. We don't need you anymore. Right. Well, I will also tell you that um, I have two sons, and the older one was uh, kind of interested in playing football, and he was a skinny little guy, and he (laughs) played flag football, and that was fine, and I think he went to one Pop Warner practice and said, you know, this is too hard for me, I don't want to do it, and as a mom, I was kind of like, okay, I'm glad about that, because you you get thrown around and beaten up playing football and I know they love watching it but I'm like I'm just glad you didn't play it just a reminder that you are listening to the addiction podcast point of no return for further information on the podcast you can go to our website theaddictionpodcast.com or you can find us on our Facebook page by the same name or You can call us at 727-314-7080, or you can email us to theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.
For further information on Narcan on Suncoast, call 1-877-339-3324. That's 1-877-339-3324. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast and get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com, that's N-E-W-M-A-N-I-N-T-E-R-V-E-N-T-I-O-N-S.com, and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. I know, and be so thankful because... What people don't understand, and I didn't understand this, and bless Grant's heart, I mean, he ended up dying and not understanding it. He was a pre-med major. He had a 4.0 grade average in college. He was accepted into medical school and to dental school. He could have done either one, and and he chose to play football and ended up dying of a disease that I think was started because of his head injuries that he actually had. So... Um, you know, he had his, an autopsy done at the Boston University where his brain was donated after he died. And Dr. Ann McKee, who is the world-renowned pathologist that they have there, said that his whole frontal lobe was destroyed. Wow. That it wasn't as bad as some as one other player in the NFL, who I'm not going to use his name, but there was another player that died before him. His brain was worse. And there was another one that was a little bit better. And Grant's was like in the middle and she said if he'd lived for one more year, he would have been mindless. Wow. And so I think we know more now, even in the seven years that Grant's been dead, I think we know more now about the fact that brain injury and addiction go hand in hand. And so it's really best if your child doesn't start playing a headbanging sport, whether it be football, um, heading in soccer, um, you know, any, any, even car injuries. I mean, we can't protect our children, and we, under, and, and we, we as adults, accidents happen. But um, we do know now that the brain definitely causes um, addiction a lot more than just, you know, the regular person, I guess you would say. So. Well, and truthfully, Cindy, physical pain and physical injury oh, yeah. can lead to addiction. And this is, yeah. you know, this is the thing. You know, you have someone and they you know, break a bone and they're given an exorbitant amount of painkillers. And then when those painkillers run out, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, young people, middle-aged people, old people, they, they turn to heroin because you, because heroin's way cheaper than trying to get pain pills. So exactly. If Grant had lived long enough, if he, if cirrhosis hadn't started setting in with him because he died of cirrhosis of the liver and he's going back and forth to the hospital and stuff. But even before that, he'd gone to see a um, psychiatrist Mm -hmm. and the psychiatrist put him on tons of drugs, tons of drugs. 
His whole cabinet was in the in the bathroom. All around the sink was just filled full of all these prescriptions like Clonopin, uh, uh, Xanax. I mean, on and on it goes. And he was mixing all of that stuff together with alcohol. I can't believe he didn't die a long time before he did, seriously. And don't even get me started on psychiatric medication. That's a whole other oh, conversation that just, you know, and... No. And they yeah. want to treat addiction with drugs. That's how they want to treat it. That's they want to treat it with so another wrong. drug. Yep. That is so wrong. And he was drunk when he went to the psychiatrist the very first day and left with four prescriptions. I can't even, it just, it makes me so sad. It, yep. it, it's heartbreaking to me yep. that medical doctors do this. And, and medical doctors are the ones that gave my husband medicine on an NFL team. What kind of doctor, what kind of ethic code is that? I, I just don't understand. Well, because there's nothing ethical about it. No. And, and it's about the money. It is. Yep. It is. And see, you understand that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of your audience, I'm sure, is probably understanding that too. But I just can't believe that our society continues to allow this to happen. And we pay to watch it. Uh, we pay to watch it. Happen. Yep. Yep. It's so sad. I wonder, yeah, it's a popular, it's a popular sport. It's watched on TV. It is. You know, it is. It is. And I even say this, and I, I, eventually my family's going to come back to get me, I'm sure, but they <laughs> love me. But I, I just keep saying, your own family member is dead from, from this. I mean, please be careful. You know, don't, don't put your kids in these sports and, and, and be careful with your, you know, your children when they're injured and go to the doctor, like you said, and get medication. I try to just, I'm a teacher, and and so I feel like I have a, a moral obligation to just teach. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, you know, I'm teaching and preaching every day, and I just feel like that I'm, I feel like I'm lonely on the mountain talking and not a lot of people listen. Right. I don't think you're quite as lonely as it might feel at times because I think that more and more, you know, the information is getting out there, but it's, it's why we do the podcast. It's why every single week we talk about this. And even, even recently we've been talking about vaping because, you know, yeah. vaping became like, Oh, you know, the, the best thing ever. And it, the kids are vaping and they're getting way more nicotine than they would from a cigarette. And it's, and they're also vaping marijuana and vaping who yeah. knows what. And so, you know, it, it, but it really takes people, I think like you and, you know, others we've had on here to really keep, you know, repeating the message that, um, you know, you have to be responsible for your own health and you, you can't just blindly trust doctors to do, um, to do it for you. You have to be responsible for your own health. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm just, I, I hate to cut in here. I'm just feeling that I, I need to say this. I don't say this on many interviews, hardly ever, but um, I'm just going to say that one of our children, we had a lot of difficulty with all, with all three of our children, because I think when the dad or mom is an alcoholic, it tends to um, just make it easy for the kids to get alcohol in the home. Mm -hmm. And so all of my kids, I'm going to say this, all three of my kids had their first drink around eighth grade. Wow. It was, it was readily accessible in our houses. 
you know, because of um, the fact that Grant just always had a lot of alcohol. And even though he tried to hide it because he was the classic, you know, pour the vodka up and put it in Gatorade bottles. My kid, It took my kids, what, a, a week to figure that out? <laughs> and, you know, they were dumping stuff into their Cokes, just like he was. So, um, it, you know, I think people think that they're hiding addiction. Like, I thought I was hiding Grant's addiction for him, but my kids already knew. I mean, they were already doing, you know, they were they were getting alcohol in the home. And so um, our kids started drinking at an early age, and we know now, we all know this, the earlier you start drinking, the greater the risk for addiction. Yep. And uh, it worries me about my all three of my my kids and and our one of our children had um, some real difficulties with depression and anxiety due to her dad being an addict mm-hmm. and uh, she went to a psychiatrist as well and she was given Xanax and um, you know she got addicted to that as well and that that's with her dad in the house with an addict too I mean <laughs> the doctor didn't even ask. I guess, or, you know, she was over 18 and it's out of your hands when your kids go to the doctor. Right. It's just very scary. This addiction thing is just, it's, it's scary. That's all I can say. And I I am a classic example of someone who it destroyed my family, ruined my family and killed my husband. I'm really sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry that it, it went that way. It, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have to. No, I miss everybody. It's, Grant died in 2012, and when he, once he died, the kids all, you know, addiction causes dysfunction. Yep. <laughs> and so they all decided, uh, okay, well, we're done with you, Mom. And so, you know, just because of a lot of things that led up to that, you know, it didn't just happen that way. It was just everything had been dysfunctional and, and not right. And, of course, it's not okay for me to be a, a codependent. And, and that's what I was. I played a huge part in all of this because of being codependent. Right. And uh, I don't think people understand that with addiction, that, you know, that goes along with it as well. It really destroys the whole family. Yep, it does. It does. We we interviewed a, a lady a week, couple weeks ago, and she was she was a dope baby. She was born addicted, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she and she never had a mother around because her mother was an addict. And mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't just affect the person who's drinking yeah. the alcohol or taking the drugs. It does yeah. it destroys families, and you it know yeah. And when you talk about your kids starting to drink alcohol at age thirteen, the other problem that happens then is because their their brains are not fully developed. So, wow. so you 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 know when when that happens, there's there are just long term issues that can occur. Yes, yes, and I worry every day about them. Um, becoming addicts themselves, and then I worry about the boys because of the head injuries that they've had. They had multiple concussions, serious concussions. Um, so we know they had traumatic brain injury, and there they are, you know, in a situation where they're drinking alcohol very early on, still drinking. And so um, it is. It's it's very very fri- frightening to me as a parent to think of how far this addiction thing can go. I. I I feel for you. I'm a mother, so I I feel for you. And um, yeah, I can only hope that, you know, if your kids still have issues with drugs, that they get, you know, some sort of treatment and get some sort of help. 
Well, I think that what happens, um, you know, when you grow up in an alcoholic home and it seems to be acceptable, um, I, it, it bothers me that, you know, at what point do they think that they have a problem? I mean, a lot of the story goes, you know, that when when they grow up and move on somewhere else, you don't know who really knows the truth about how it really came down in the family. People don't understand alcohol. They don't understand that, you know, it really is like a, an old oak tree. It just wraps its roots around everybody. It causes a lot of issues. And so if you hide those issues and, and you don't um, act like they're real, like I did <laughs> for so many years, then it takes things blown apart before you really realize you need help. Right. Right. So you wrote a book. I did. And where is your book available? It is available on Amazon, and it's available on Target, Walmart's website, and all of that. But I just always tell everybody in Barnes & Noble, I say, go to Amazon. It comes to your door the next day. You know, it's perfect. Um, There's a, a lot of reviews on Amazon, which I love because I've had so many generous reviews written about the book. And, and I just always say, if I could help one person, um, I originally did this when the pathology report came back that Grant had stage three CTE and I had been saving journals for, you know, 11 years. And I looked back over all those journals and I was just sick to my stomach as I realized the part that I played as being a codependent. Um, not that it would have saved anybody, but I think I could have done a better part in helping my family, my, my children. Um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yes, it <laughs> you is. Don't know, you don't know what codependency is until you're in this situation. So I was just so unfamiliar with everything. And I did go to Al-Anon, but I'm saying to everyone out there, if you have an addict in your family, the best thing you can do is take care of yourself. That sounded so foreign to me to, to think, why am I supposed to be taking care of me when I'm trying to keep Grant from getting a, a DWI <laughs> or whatever? Right. But the whole truth is, you really do have to take care of yourself. And if you don't, um, you can't be on top of your game to help and take care of anybody that's remaining in your family. So I think that I had a huge part in the destruction of my family. So I just recommend anyone out there, you know, taking care of yourself, get involved in al go to therapy, find a minister somewhere that you can tell your story to. Don't just keep it to yourself. But I, I wrote this book to just try to be of some sort of resource to some someone out there. I, I really was saying, is there anybody out there, you know, that, that something similar happened? And um, so I think it's a good resource. It's um, sad because, of course, Grant dies in the end. And so um, it's a true story. It's called After the Cheering Stops. And um, it is an easy read. I think most of the reviews say that they read it in one day. So wow. it's, it's, it's an easy read. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing your story in your book. And thank you for sharing your story on the podcast. I know that um, people are listening. And I, you know, I, I always say that if, you know, like you say, if one person listens to this podcast and has a loved one that plays professional sports and this type of sport, I mean, obviously, there are some that aren't you know, art is physically damaging as this one. But if someone just takes heed, um, then we're doing our job. Absolutely. And I, I want to say this, that I am on Facebook. 
And I do have a conversation, pretty healthy conversation, I think, daily with, uh, you know, a group of people that just want to talk about this. And so um, if you want to find me on Facebook, anyone, I'm Cindy Fiesel, and I would love to to be your friend and love to continue the conversation on a daily or just whenever you feel like talking about this. Um, I, I find that I, I hid everything, and I, I look back on that, and I think I just want to be a resource to people. I want to help anybody that I can. I know I can't help personally every, you know, everybody out there, but I do feel like that just somebody else hearing my story and thinking that it, it, it rings a bell with something that's going on in their family. I think it's a support, and so um, that's that's what I want to be, a support system to people that um, are going through something similar and just to realize that you're not alone. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is just um, reaching out, finding somebody, listening to these podcasts is so helpful. And I wish years ago I'd heard something like this. It would have been really great for me. So I appreciate you having me. Well, thank you so much. And I would just want to spell your name. So if you're looking for Cindy on Facebook, it's C-Y-N-D-Y. And her last name is F, like Frank, E-A-S-E-L. So C-Y-N-D-Y, F-E-A-S-E-L. And the name of her book is after the cheering stops. So check out her book. And if you need to reach her, you can reach her on Facebook. Cindy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. I just appreciate you taking the time and you do a great work. Thank you for that. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the interview today. It's a different take on addiction. And I, I thought it was interesting. I hope it you know, rings with somebody who's listening today. You know, I looked up uh, the whether there was a treatment or something that can be done about chronic traumatic encephalop. Oh, I can't say this encephalopathy, encephalopathy, CTE, and um, basically, uh, the what the internet says is today there is no treatment and no cure for CTE. The only known way to prevent it is to avoid repeated head injuries. Now, I'm not saying that if you have a child or if you yourself want to play football, you're for sure going to end up with CTE. But what I would say is that if you have a child who is playing professional sports and has had several head trauma, you should get it checked out. Um, You know, you don't want your child to end up you know, with serious brain problems. And you also don't want them obviously to, you know, become addicted to alcohol or drugs. So something to check out, it's called CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And it there's no treatment, there's no cure. The way you handle it is to just don't get head injuries anymore. I don't think we're ever going to have a time when there isn't professional football. So I don't think that that's going to go away. But if you are involved in professional football, either yourself or a loved one, just keep this in mind and get it checked out if it seems like that might be happening. Thank you for listening today. We will be back again next week. Hopefully Jason will be with me. But either way, we're going to keep talking. We're going to keep interviewing people who are 
intimately connected with this whole problem of addiction. And maybe someday it'll go away and we won't have to do it anymore. But for now, I'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 